The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. We're talking with the coach, Harvey Hyde, here on the show. Normally do it on Monday. We had to delay it a couple of days this week. Some scheduling conflicts, so sorry about that. But we're back here. This is our third podcast of the week here on the Peristyle Podcast. Uh, we had Dan uh, Weber and Keely Yor talking about the team. And then, of course, Gerard Martinez talking about recruiting. And now we get the coach on. It's the day before we're recording. This is the day before the NFL draft. So some, you know, actual sports we can kind of talk about. We'll talk to the coach about players in the draft, potentially where they could go and all of that. If you have any questions or comments, please drop us an email podcast at uscfootball.com. It's the email address. Or if you'd rather call or text us, you can do that too. 424-254-9141 is the number. We actually have four voicemails on the show today. We got some text messages, a bunch of emails. We have a lot to get to, and we'll get to it right now with the coach. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. How you doing, Coach? Ryan, I'm doing good, buddy. It's an exciting day right now as far as for young people out there and their families, as far as tomorrow I'm going to be a millionaire. So uh, <laughs> that's by, by basically why there are a lot of nervous people and people hoping that they go when they're supposed to go. You never know with all of the – behind-the-scenes activities and trading up and trading down and trusting what uh, your agent says. It's a really exciting day. It's a nerve-wracking day. It's almost like uh, tonight will be like a night before the biggest game of your life if you're a senior or you're one of the players that are hoping to play in the NFL someday. So it's, it's another big event for all of us, too, because we have all missed I mean, there's been a lot of recruiting going on, don't get me wrong. But now we've got to be at, uh, sort of hyped up for the NFL draft, and I'm excited about it. I'm going to watch it all because I'm so much, uh, somewhat limited in what I can watch. No, yeah, I mean, there's like when the uh, documentary for Michael Jordan came on, it's like you kind of want to watch that because there wasn't a whole lot of other stuff to, to watch. And the same sort of thing with um, this when you're talking about the NFL draft. It's actually something you can see, and it's going to, you know, make a make a difference in uh, in the NFL season if we have one and all that kind of stuff. So, um, all right. Well, I wanted to uh, jump in. We'll talk about that, and we'll get into a lot of the questions. We got to get to it quickly. But Peter King um, is the only guy I've seen do this. But he projected two Trojans actually to go in the first round: uh, Austin Jackson, which a lot of people I think are projecting as a first round offensive tackle. 
But Michael Pittman is another one that he had projected to go in the first round. I My gut is he's probably going to be a second or third round guy, so probably a second day in the NFL draft. Um, but curious to see what your thoughts on uh, those two guys, Coach, and uh, th- those th- the two that are going to go of the USC players, the only two invited to the Combine. Maybe the only two that are going to get drafted, but i um, curious to see what you think about those two guys and their prospects. Well, Austin Jackson has always been a great athlete. Uh, when he came to USC, you know, being a track, be it the track star as well as a football player at his size, uh, I've been telling, you know, all along on our podcast that I think he should have stayed at USC. I, I think he was developing and uh, uh, could have gotten a lot better. I don't think he'll be a first-round selection just because you don't take anybody on the first round that can't start for you immediately and and uh, make a difference in your in your team. Uh, first-round draft choice is a guy that's going to make a difference because if you wait for someone to develop that's a first-round player, you might not be around the next year to, to enjoy that or the two, two years. You've got to make your first-round pick be something that makes a difference that he's automatically going to be a starter. He's going to be on you know, your starting lineup and the, the whole thing. And I think Austin's going to be a great player but I don't think he's ready yet to go in the first round. I would not take him in the first round, but I think he'll go in the second round, probably in the first half of the second round because of the importance of offensive linemen. But as far as a first rounder, I'm not quite sure about that. And this is just my evaluation. It's nothing personal. You just asked me, so I'm telling you, as far as Michael Pittman's concerned, I don't think he'll be a first rounder because there's so many great receivers. But he's a great leader, and he's a big receiver. He's a tough kid. He's a captain. He's a, he does it all. I think he'll be in the second round, in the middle of the second round, to the end of the second round, or really early in the third round. I really do. Why? Because he has so many qualities, not only, only having size, but he got a, had a great time at the Combine, surprised everybody. Plus, he can be a special teams player. and You've got to find people that can play special teams to make your roster. I mean, he can do it all. He's a tough guy. He can be on the return teams, punt teams, punt return teams. He played special teams, and he's a physical player. So uh, I think he'll go in the second round. I'd be surprised if he goes in the third round. But, again, this is one of the premier years as far as receivers are concerned. As far as Richmond, I think you're going to ask by Richmond. I think Richmond will probably be a free agent. Uh, with someone, I think he'll have an opportunity to go to camp and maybe make a team. Uh, as far as who's the other ones, there's Richmond and who has John uh, Houston, John Houston. I think yeah. He, yeah. I think Houston uh, isn't physical enough to play in the NFL. I think he's a great kid and had a great career and is a great leader and all this and that, but I don't know what position he would play in the NFL. I don't know where to draft him at. So right now, and I don't know enough about what you know his uh, shortcomings, and enough to know exactly who would take him because they might have something in mind for him. But he definitely will get a shot, and he'll go to camp as a free agent. But I think those are the only two players, unless I'd miss somebody that'll get drafted. Yeah. So there's uh, you could go Christian Rector. Um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah so he'd be the so Drew Richmond, John Houston, and Christian Rector are the kind of the other three. I think the projections I've seen are all. At the highest, I think Drew Richmond could potentially go in the sixth, but probably an undrafted free agent. I think both Houston and Rector would be undrafted free agents, but some some drafts that had him like maybe a, as a seventh round pick. Um, so kind of you know it'll be interesting to see where they go, but it's really going to be 
those first two guys, that's going to be the main ones for USC until the very end. It is going to be. And uh, I agree with you. The others will be free agent players. They could sneak in there. Uh, maybe not. Uh, but uh, sometimes it's better to be a free agent player because you're able to pick the team that really has the need for you. And uh, rather than get drafted where they're just bring, getting you as a camp guy, they just want to bring you in as a camp guy. So I really think it's important that uh, being a free agent, you have more of a selection of where you can go. Yeah. Um, so that's the NFL draft. Make sure you guys pay attention to that because really there's not much else to watch what's going on. We're going to uh, switch topics a little bit because now we got to talk about JT Daniels entering the NCAA transfer portal. Coach, I don't think we've talked about that yet, right? No. No. All right. Uh, well, we got a bunch of questions. you want me to just do the questions and kind of give your thoughts along the way? Whatever you want to do. All right. Well, we'll start off. We got a voicemail uh, from our buddy Curtis, I believe. So let me play that for you and get your thoughts. Hi, this is Curtis. Two weeks ago, I wanted to call in with this idea, but I knew it would cause trouble. Well, might as well give it now. Can't JT Daniels and Keaton Slovich play first half and second half because they're both very talented and this offense is very productive. They both have experience in it. I know it hasn't worked in some cases. What do you guys think? Then JT wouldn't leave. If he could play the second half of every game or the first half of every game, switch it up every other game for both of them. They're both very, very good. I didn't know Keaton Slovis made freshman All-American. Uh, anyway, 50-50, what do you guys think? Curtis. Well, Curtis, uh, I think it's very difficult to do that, uh, rotate quarterbacks, because quarterbacks get into what you call a rhythm. And uh, it's difficult to give them both equal terms and, uh, turns in practice and, and learn the receivers. And there's just too much as far as uh, consistency and rhythm and stuff that you need as far as a quarterback, as far as going 50-50. Not that you can't do it. Teams have done that in the past. But I don't think that would be something that USC would want to do. I'm not sure it's it's fair to Kendon. Uh, uh, JT, though. Keaton. Okay, I'm sorry, <laughs> doggone you. You got me the first time. Well, because I don't want you hey. to say Keaton like four, 14 times incorrectly like like the other well, ones. Do it, do it right away. <laughs> K-E-T-O-N. Okay, do it right away. But uh, I don't think it would be fair to him. And uh, I think JT, uh, uh, I'm a little disappointed in him. But kids are different now. Uh, if you're a backup quarterback and you don't think that you got a shot, you look around to see, not that you don't have a shot, but, you know, you're going to be a backup. You're not going to have an open competition in, in the fall uh, and, and start him over uh, Keaton. You're not going to do that. So uh, uh, he's looking around. But surprises me, what, what surprises me is, uh, is the interviewing after the season with his dad and so on saying, we're here, we're going to compete, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And then after you say all that, then all of a sudden you're willing to leave or take a look around and leave USC with one scholarship quarterback. You know, and if that happens and he leaves, if I'm Jack Sears, I'm going to say, you know, I might stay. I just might stay at USC because I'm going to be the backup quarterback. And look what happened the first half of the Fresno State game. This could happen again. There's that chance that could happen. So 
you know, you look at this and then you say, where can he go? Well, you know, when you look around the country, you see quarterbacks, the Arizona State backup quarterback who played against USC, he left. And all the other quarterbacks from Clemson and Georgia, they all leave. And they all are successful when they leave. That's the thing. They're all pretty successful. They go on and and they're in the Heisman Trophy race and everything else. They're playing for a national championship. So, you know, uh, this is what kids look for today, especially quarterbacks. Uh, they want to be able to, to hit a home run, and if they don't think they can get that home run, they're going to go somewhere. And, and I think Dan Weber mentioned on a uh, on a podcast or something, he's heard rumors about him possibly going to LSU. And, you know, I'm not trying to talk about a kid going anywhere, but if a kid was to go to LSU like JT Daniels, he'd be the best thing for him as far as what he does because he's going to a team – that runs the football, that doesn't just pass the football, but runs the football, which would protect him a lot more. And they play great defense, he'll play great competition, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Now, I'm not trying to advocate that's going on, and I don't know anything about if that's the truth or what they're doing. But, you know, sometimes it's best to go where the style of football fits you, where it fits you as far as your abilities, and it saves you so a chance of another injury won't happen. Uh, it always could happen, but maybe not happen as much because you're not throwing the football every down where they know where you are. So I'm not real, you know, I'd rather see kids stay, and now I think they're trying to loosen it up where kids can move automatically and be immediately eligible. Man, I mean, I don't know. There's no loyalty. I mean, there's a program that you're trying to support. Does a degree mean anything anymore? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's like free agency as far as uh, in college football today. But, you know, you got to go with the rules. And I think that Coach Helton is doing the right thing as far as telling him, go ahead and go. If you want to go, we'll help you and so on. But, again, if you want to come back, we'll take you. Because why? It involves recruiting. Recruiting a modern-day high school. Are you going to get players from there if you try to block a player that wants to leave and other players might not want to come? because you didn't cooperate if a player wants to leave, because he knows all those kids, and everybody, all the coaches know all these kids. So you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Yeah, for a specific thing about playing two quarterbacks, I just don't like that idea, Curtis. Sorry. Um, you know, Keaton Slovis, like you said, I mean, he had four games last year where he threw for over 400 yards. I think he's you know going to be the starter. I don't think just to keep JT Daniels around, you promised him playing half of the game. Because I think you're putting your whole team at risk by doing something like that. You know, you don't know. It's it's not like you can equally come in and and there. You know, you can just interchange that position and just have players come in. You just don't see it very often. It doesn't happen all that much because the old saying goes: if you have two quarterbacks, you have none, or whatever it is. I mean, something like that. I don't think you want to risk you know losing games because you're trying to get someone extra playing time so he won't transfer. You know what I mean, Coach? Yeah, I do. I exactly know. You can't do that. Otherwise, you know, everybody's threatening you or holding you up or blackmailing you and so on. you got to say, hey, the best player is going to play. If you want to come and challenge it, fine. I mean, but uh, we're not going to say that you're going to have this or you're going to have that. you got to earn what you have. And I think uh, the respect to the team, with you'd lose the respect to the team that a kid that did what he did last year is has got to battle out or go 50-50 as far as in the opening game of the year. No. I wouldn't buy that at all. Yeah. Um, all right. We have another question on the uh, the JT Daniels side of things. This is from Don. He says, uh, Ryan, why do so many local media 
He says, like, Wolf, Petros, others dislike JT Daniels. They loved him in high school, then for some reason thought he was given the starting job without earning it. Do you think this was an extension of their dislike for Clay Helton? Where do you think the most likely options are for JT? JT played as a freshman with no offensive coordinator, no real quarterback coach, maybe no head coach, no game plan, and a center that was uh, more of a detriment than the defense that he played. I'm sorry. And the defense still, he didn't word that correctly. A center that was more of a detriment, I think he means, and then and not in the defense that didn't play well either. First half of the first game, sophomore season, he looked like a sophomore, uh, like a sophomore year was going to be very good with Graham Harrell and his offensive schemes. Next time you speak to Petros, <laughs> okay, I don't want to read this part. Uh, anyway, so he doesn't think uh, Petros is being very objective. Um, I, I'll respond real quick. I mean, I like JT a lot, Don. I, you know, we've always said good things about him. I said this a million times. If he doesn't get hurt, he has a big year too. Just having that kind of offensive style, JT would have been great. Now, did we expect Keaton Slovis to play as great as he did? No, I didn't expect that. I thought he'd redshirt or whatever, but he didn't. He came in and played really well. But I feel like JT Daniels kind of gets Wally pipped a little bit. And if he was able to play out the string last year, probably very similar record, probably similar numbers. And uh, then you wouldn't really be talking about this. So it's unfortunate. um, And you'd like to see JT stick around, but... I, hopefully, I, you don't feel I've been um, tough on JT. I don't, I don't know what you think, Coach. Well, you know, I, I've said my things about JT, too, uh, during the season and so on, as far as his uh, the way he was injured and the way he was on the sideline and the way I thought he wasn't really a part of a team as far as really caring or standing next to the quarterbacks or participating. I know his feelings were hurt. and He was really hurt he couldn't be playing. I know all that. But you can still be a strong supporter of the team and and act like it, and and I, that's the thing. And I, of course, I don't know him, and I hear he's uh, liked a lot by the players and so on. But you know, sometimes what happens with these kids is they want to get re-recruited. You know, they but you know, look at the way USC recruited him. He used to be at spring practice with the guy with his pack on the back. Everybody, you know, they were making him a Heisman Trophy winner. He's this Gatorade Player of the Year. All of a sudden, you know, your ego is pretty big after coming out modern day, and then USC did the same thing with him. Then all of a sudden it's gone, and there's another guy on the scene. So now sometimes you say, you know, I'd like to get recruited again. I like going through that. I like people caring about me. I want to be the star. I want to be on the front page of the media guide. All of that. And again, you know, he could come back to USC, but USC will recruit him again. Or he'll go through the process with other universities out there who will recruit him. So sometimes it's an ego type of thing that you just it's just in your blood. You like people calling you up. You like people uh, uh, to want you. And then again, sometimes you might find uh, the right situation for you to go, and it might work out for you. So I don't want to label a kid on that. And I know that a lot of people say negative things about everybody, okay? Just don't take it personal. And if you're going to be the limelight, you, and you're going to read good headlines, and you're going to get all the great headlines, or you got to grow up and understand you're going to get some bad headlines too. So it's just part of being a star, or part of being a team. And remember, that's what happens to you. Yeah, uh, we got one other question that has to do with JT. Well, it's actually kind of a two-parter, but I'll read the whole thing for you. Uh, it's from Jack uh, from New Jersey. He said, Ryan, I must admit, I've not really been following USC football this past month due to the COVID-19. 
Things are pretty crazy here in New Jersey. It's like I'm living in a sci-fi movie. Almost no one goes out. We can't go to parks or beaches because they're closed. You never know what's available at the grocery store, and far too many people are dying. Well enough, uh, well enough of that. Here are my thoughts for a conversation. Um, well, I hope you're staying safe out there, Jack. One, he says, in my humble opinion, Jack, uh, JT Daniels should stay at USC at least one more year for the following reasons. A, you are one play injury away from starting whoever the number two guy is. B, after this year, I believe he could graduate and have two more years of eligibility if he doesn't win the starting job back. He's a good enough player that he could land with a really good program a la Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts. And C, one more year at SC to get bigger and stronger, especially after an ACL injury uh, before a possible transfer would serve him well. With the uncertainty that looms over this year's season due to COVID-19, it makes all the sense of the world to stay stay and little sense to leave right now. What are your thoughts, Coach? Well, I think this guy's right. ABC all works. It makes sense to me if that's what he should do because certainly, you know, he's going to have to redshirt unless the NCAA changed that rule that makes him immediately eligible, and they're talking about doing that. And he could rehab. He could be at home, he'd, and he'd be bigger and smarter and, and know the positions at different schools of where he wants to go. And uh, I think he should do that. I really do because, you know, he doesn't have to go in a game if, if the game's blowing out. I wouldn't put him in the game if he's going to come in as a substitute and you're blowing out somebody or so on. Save his eligibility. And who knows, uh, after one play, hey, you got to be ready to go. You could happen at any time, but you're the starting quarterback. So, yeah, I would like to see him stay. ABC makes a lot of sense to me, but we talked about it a few moments ago about kids and what they're doing and how they change. They're not the same. They want to be recruited. They want to be the star. They want to be on the front page of all these magazines and all of the above. They love reading about their themselves. So right now, especially the quarterbacks, so right now it's, it's someone else. So right now he's looking for that headline. He is, I guess. I don't know. I think uh, it's. I think he wants to find a situation for him that's going to work best. If they change the NCAA rule where you can be eligible right away, transfer once, he think he sees the chance to go somewhere and have three years there instead of two. And, but I, I agree with the points. Like you probably, if you do want to, tra- I mean, he's likely going to transfer if Keaton Slovis is the starter. So then, you stick around, you get healthy, you don't have to play right away. Um, but you can get in some mop up duty. You can, you know, make sure everyone show, you can show everyone that the knee is good. And then when you transfer the following year, you have two years to just go in and play right away. Um, but I think, you know, the opportunity, if you could transfer once and be eligible, maybe you've learned that system and you get a better chance. You get entrenched there. I don't know. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Jack also wanted to know, he said, recruiting seems to be going remarkably well. While the jury is still out, credit must be given to Mike Bone, the athletic director, for putting together what appears to be a very good assistant coaching staff. I believe Mike's hands were tied in having to keep Clay Helton, and he deserves credit, at least for the aggressive coaching changes that have occurred so far. I'm not buying that Clay had much to do with all of this, or it would have been done by him years ago. Stay safe uh, from Jack in New Jersey. Jack, I tend to agree with you. I think that uh, Clay Helton had to prove the hirings, but I think uh, Michael Bone worked with him on the hiring and selection of the coaches because he hasn't had those type of aggressive coaches on his staff or big-name coaches or coaches that have come from big-time programs. And I think this is something that's really lit up uh, the USC football program. 
I think it's been great for the program. Recruiting's obviously showing that, and the number one player in America is now just decommitted from Clemson, and I would predict that the kid's going to end up at USC. I really do. They got two of their top stars there now from Corona Centennial. I don't see why he wouldn't. So, you know, things are on a roll at USC right now. It's very positive. I'd like to see them somehow, though, get a five-star, a couple of five-star, four-star offensive linemen on top of the momentum that they're getting on the defensive side of the football. Receivers will always get great receivers. Why do they throw the football? They need to get a great running back. They've gotten one out of Texas. They need another one. And, of course, they need two quarterbacks, what they need to get. So on the offensive side, you know, I want to see them have the same enthusiasm, too, as the defensive staff is currently having. And uh, we'll see what happens. But I think it's a different program. I think Mike Bone has supplied them with supposed uh, financial help. And I don't know how they weren't getting this financial help before. I just don't understand it when they say that. We're giving them what's necessary. Why USC didn't have these things before, I just don't understand that. And ask a guy to win or play at the national level. To me, I... I just don't. I'd like someone to explain why they didn't have some of the money that they're talking about they have now. Yeah, there's, I mean, I think the support was a problem throughout the athletic department. And I just feel like the athletic department was living in the past. You know, the Alabamas of the world could sit on their laurels and the Ohio States could, and they weren't. They were expanding. They were doing, and I think USC just kind of felt like we'll just keep doing it the way we've been doing it. And you're not keeping up in the arms race. And then you have the five and seven season. Everything falls apart. You have a, a, a really poor a staff, a coaching staff that just is doing a really poor job of putting in recruiting effort. And all those things kind of came to a head and you get the worst recruiting class that we've ever seen. That's changed now. Then you, you knew you had to make that change. They've hired more support staff. They're putting more resources into it. If you just watch social media, there's, it's so different looking at what recruits are getting now. The stupid edits, I'm going to call them stupid. I don't, they don't mean a lot to me. Probably don't mean a lot to you, coach. But the the seventeen year old kid likes the edits that the the schools make for them, and when Oregon's giving you an edit, and Washington's giving you an edit, and USC is not, it just that's something that stands out. Now they're getting all those things, and you have a staff that's really put, tr- putting effort in on the recruiting trail, and I think all of that matters. So, um, yeah, you're, I mean, without really winning any games, you've just changed your recruiting approach, and you're getting way better results. Um, exactly, I agree with you hundred percent, Ryan. Yeah. And one of the things we talk about, I got to play it. So we had our show uh, on Tuesday with Dan Weber and we got a, we got a um, question from Don, uh, a voicemail and I just went off on him. Um, So he was basically saying, I don't care if JT Daniels goes anywhere. It doesn't matter. Clay Hilton's still the head coach. And, And he's like, you guys should just shut down and not even cover the team until Clay Hilton's not the head coach. Um, and Don left a really long voicemail. I'm not going to play it because it's just, I mean, it, he's kind of responding to what's going on. And he's like, you don't get my point that we, that Clay Helton, and we lost to Iowa and you guys aren't even talking about it anymore. Before you were saying it's, it's such a big deal when they brought him back and now you're not even mentioning it. Yeah, Don, we have moved on. Like you, you can't just every day just like, hey, whatever happens with football, it doesn't matter because they kept Clay Helton. Like you have to move on. That's happened. Like, Something that in your mind, in a lot of USC fans' minds, bad happened. They retained Clay Helton for two years in a row when a lot of people didn't think that should have happened. But it did. And we can't just harp on that forever. You can't just say that's what it is. Um, I, I'm sorry you feel that way. 
we are going to move on. If they do something good, we're going to say, hey, they got the number five recruiting class in the country. They've hired good assistant coaches. They canceled the UC Davis game. Those things really did happen, and we're not going to ignore them just because Clay Helton's still the head coach. Um, there's going to be questions about it, you know, all that stuff, but we can't just say, you know, say, hey, uh, Clay Helton's head coach, but, well, might as well not cover the team. It doesn't matter what anything does. You can feel that way. That's your way, but you can't expect everyone else to feel that way. We are certainly not going to cover the team that way. It's been mentioned a million times. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you, Don, but he wanted to get your thoughts on a coach, but we, we can't just every day just wake up and go like, well, Clay Helton's head coach. Oh, something happened. Doesn't matter. Clayton's the head coach. Like that's just not that's not how this works. I'm sorry you feel that way. That's fine that you do however you want, but you can't expect everyone to do the same thing. Where it's just like, oh, uh, USC cured cancer and and they fixed the the coronavirus. They they came up with a coronavirus vaccine. Yeah, Clayton's the head coach. Who cares? You know, like that that just this seems to be your attitude. And I don't know, man. That just doesn't seem very fun. Well, uh, <laughs> my feeling is. Well, I got your point, Ryan. Thank you. I, I got your point. I got your point. And, and uh, you know, there's there's people that feel uh, that way. There's people that say as long as he's a head coach that we're not going to win a national championship and this and that. But, uh, you know, you can say that about anybody. You know, uh, you can right now that the university decided to keep Clay Helton. I personally like Clay Helton. I think the players like Clay Helton. I think that his personality is not one that maybe you might think is uh, Nick Saban's or or somebody else, but he's got to have that type of enforcement uh, around him, enforcers around him that can give him the assistance which he hasn't had before to do that. You got to have guys that take it over and and do that for you, and you've got to be able to understand that uh, they're they're there to do that for you, and you've got to be the uh, the the face of the program, as long as he never loses that face of the program and someone becomes bigger than he is, he'll be all right. But as long as uh, someone doesn't assume and they're interviewing one guy more than the other and the kids start answering to one assistant coach more than Clay Elton, now you got a problem. you got a problem. Now, if he hires the right people and he's going to fly the airplane and these guys are going to be the guys that do the rest of the work, I think they'll be all right. But as far as, uh, you know, uh, you, 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 I only saw one practice in the spring, okay? And, 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 Ryan, you missed that one because you had an obligation in San Diego. Yeah. So we didn't have a, we didn't have a lot of time to evaluate, but uh, I like the enthusiasm. I like guys being accountable. And I, and I saw people being accountable for who they are and what they do. And I think this is one thing that Coach will learn, too. A coach will learn because he got that job. Really, he's still a young guy. He got that job, and who did he learn from? People that didn't have that accountability, really. So, you know, let's give him a chance. Let's get the new program going. The university wants him. You don't have to be a supporter anybody. You don't have to go to games anybody. But obviously, you're listening to the podcast, or you're listening to uscfootball.com or reading it. So you do have an interest. So let's see what happens. That's the best way I can say it. All right, let's move on. We got uh, Bobby and Chico. He says, uh, with COVID-19, do you see any rationale to allow students to rescind their national letters of intent, like a Justin Flo not going to Oregon due to concerns, maybe he wants to stay home? Uh, hoping you haven't discussed this yet. And do you see the NCAA letting students out of their national letter of intent 
current USA students should start recruiting. Just saying, Bobby in Chico, California, and he said, love that you ran into some Chico State people in Hawaii, Ryan. I did, yeah. I, I ran into some, uh, had some drinks with the Chico State people. Back when you could like sit at a bar, Coach, and uh, and have a few Mai Tais in a, uh, while you're on vacation. I did. Ran into a nice uh, couple of couples from Chico, but that just seems like so long ago. It just wasn't that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I remember when you went over there. Uh, you know, I've always felt that you should be able to release a person from a national letter of intent if there's a coaching change. I've always felt that because a lot of times kids go to a university because of the coach, not always just the university. They, they form a relationship. Uh, I'm talking about a head coach now. And they're going to that program because of him. They like him. They believe in what he said when he was in his home having a family visit and so on. And when he leaves or so on, it's a different a different guy. And he might not like this guy. Or and, and, and I think that this kid should not be penalized for that. I think he should be released. They can re-recruit him. But I think he should have an option to go somewhere else if he chooses to, because he goes to a school sometimes because of who recruited him and who's the head coach. I mean, they all have beautiful facilities now, all these universities and all of the above. So I think the head football coach is a big influence on who these kids want to play for, that and his staff. So I always felt that that should be part of the rules. They're giving every other rule out there that you can move or do whatever you need to do. So uh, what's one more in the package, you know? I mean, I don't know. I, I've always felt that way. I remember several years ago, Dennis Erickson was the head coach at Oregon State. And uh, the day after National Letter of Intent, he'd left. And I think he went to the 49ers or Seattle, one of them. I mean, just after the National Letter of Intent, you've signed all your National Letter of Intent. You've told all these kids to come up and play for us. And the next day you're gone. I mean, I don't think that's right. I think those kids should be able to get released or at least uh, look around and decide if they wanted to still go to that school. But uh, we'll see what happens uh, in the future with that rule that the gentleman just asked about. Yeah, we'll see. And maybe that comes into play, the uh, you know the one-time transfer exemption. But I don't know if you want to use that before you even enroll in the school because then you don't get to do it again. But maybe that's what, where that would come into play. Well, I don't know, but, you know, here's what I'm saying, too. Would you want somebody on your team that doesn't want to play for you or be there? Is he going to have a good attitude? Is he going to be, uh, you know, I want to be released. Uh, I don't want to come to your school. So now, you know, what are you going to do, kidnap him? I mean, uh, you have an alternative. You can release him or you can release him to anywhere but anyone in the conference. You can go to out of state or a team that we don't play or something like that. But, you know, I don't think you want players on your team that don't want to be there. No, you don't. Um, I wouldn't if I was a coach. I don't think you would either. Uh, Steve Levy wrote in. He said, uh, question from San Jose. Hello, USAFootball.com. We're clearly seeing the impact of the new staff. Has anyone had a chance to sit down with Clay Helton and ask him if he has made his own fundamental changes in his daily and future role as head coach comments, he clearly appears to be different now. He has started to become uh, visible, yet not overdoing it. Uh, as we have seen in the past, leaders know how to manage people, and he has a chance to become a long-term asset to the program 
if he allows his offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and special teams coordinator to to fail as they might just succeed. This, uh, that versus his overbearing presence and the failures of his actions and inactions of the past. Would love to see a one-on-one with Coach on this topic as we are at a critical path in the program, and this could allow him to talk about his struggles as a head coach in this environment. Steve Levy. Uh, he did do a one-on-one with um, 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports. They they had uh, one of those, and we put it up on the website. And, uh, you know, there's – I, I think it's he has not really talked about that I've seen um, his approach being much different, but it's it does seem a lot different than what we've seen in the past. Well, I'd love to have lunch with him. I really would sit down and discuss uh, the USC football position and the program and everything and discuss ideas and exchange it back and forth and not telling him what to do, but just tell him how I might do it. I think it'd be a lot of fun, and I respect him as far as a man. He's always been respectful to me. Anytime I call him, he returns my call. Anytime I ask him to speak somewhere, he speaks the, uh, there. There's a lot of coaches that don't do that, always find excuses for that. And uh, what he needs to do, just is one thing I would say, just be yourself. Don't try to be someone else. Just be yourself. You're fortunate to be the head coach at USC. So they selected you to be yourself when you got selected. Don't try to be somebody else. If you try to be somebody else or like somebody else, you'll get fired. Just be yourself and, and have people around you that can do the things that maybe you're not the best at doing. But if you're just yourself and you're, and you're the type of guy that you feel comfortable in being and you allow your assistant coaches to do what you hire them to do, be the face of the program and just be Coach Clay Helton. Don't try to fool anybody. Because everybody, in most cases, likes you as far as a person. So the best thing is you can't change who you are, your personality. You can't become always, all of a sudden mean and a bad guy. You're just Clay Helton, Coach Clay Helton. So, hey, rally the team around your strong points and let the other people do the areas that maybe you need help in. And that would be a great, that's what I would try to tell him as far as my comments with him in different ways. Yeah, I agree with you there, Coach. Um, let's see. We'll try, Steve. We'll try to get him on. We've been doing our Lunch with a Trojan series. Um, it depends on what's going on. You know, we we like – some of the assistant coaches are new. They're kind of fun to talk to. But we'll see if Coach will do one. But they, definitely check out the one he did uh, with CBS Sports earlier. Uh, Marcel from the Inland Empire are Larry Scott, the Pac-12, more concerned with making uh, maintaining parity – within the conference, or ensuring that one team from the conference makes it to the playoffs. It seems like the conference needs an infusion of new leadership. That's from Marcel. How many years have we been hearing this? Yes. Uh, I mean, you know, I think you need to change every so often in any position. I think you can outdo your welcome. He's made a lot of money. I think he makes four or five million a year and uh, you know, the league really hasn't progressed as far as what everybody thought in the power ratings, uh, bowl game victories, uh, television ratings, uh, the affiliate, uh, uh, you know, all of the things that are Pac-12 network, all of the things really that's under his leadership. But somehow he BSs everybody. And it seems to be the presidents of the college and 
a lot of the presidents that voted for him and brought him on aren't now president of their university. So I think that if the presidents were to get together, the new presidents, and and I'll tell you what, they're going to have to start looking at this because of this crisis as far as financially on how they're going to make some money to make up the shortcomings, then maybe you ought to look at your commissioner. And I don't know, they gave him an extension, but maybe there's an out of, you don't need to pay a guy $5 million a year to to do that job. No one else makes that kind of money at any of the conferences, Southeastern Conference, ACC, and all of a sudden he gets that type of money. And why does your offices have to be in one of the most expensive real estate areas in the world? Why would you be doing that? Why would you have those costs? So, you know, you got to be cost effective in all of your areas. And, you know, I've just been one that uh, nothing against other sports, but he's not a football guy. And he's not really a basketball guy. And, he, you know, and I think those are the two sports, nothing against the other sports, that make the bread. They're the ones that make the money. They're the ones that make it happen. And without their uh, uh, energy in those sports, all teams and playoffs and bowl victories and all of that above, uh, it's tough. And right now, you know, with the TV times, if their games are on and, all of the above things that are happening. Thank goodness Oregon won the Rose Bowl game against Wisconsin. That was a positive ending to the season. You know, you've got to have positive things happening. And uh, he just doesn't give me the the authority feeling. He reminds me of somebody that's a good BSer. Yeah. You want to? You don't want to be a BSer, Coach. You want to tell it like it is. Well, I would tell him, and I yeah. told him. I told him to send me a letter and find me if he wants to. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, we agree that they need new leadership and, uh, yeah, uh, it's, that's, that's a long one, but we'll see. I think his contract's up in 2022. Um, then we'll see what happens. You want to buy out somebody, buy him out. Yeah. You make it back in a hurry. You probably would. That's fair. Even though he gets 5 million a year. Uh, Dan, class of 1962, wrote in, and he said, Coach Hyde was a very successful junior college coach at Pasadena City College when the junior, uh, when the junior later community colleges were sending many star players to Division I college programs. I think he worded that wrong. but So basically when JC players were sending a lot of uh, players to D1 programs. USC used the junior college route for many years to recruit players such as Frank Gifford, O.J. Simpson, Al Carmichael, and many others. Compton JC, Pasadena JC, Santa Ana JC, Fullerton JC, and El Camino JC were pipelines to USC and other universities. They were programs where a student could work on grades or a lesser player could physically grow. Nowadays, it appears that recruiting the community colleges is just for the lesser programs like the Oregon States of the world. Coach Hyde, what is your estimation of the community college programs in Southern California, and why are they not recruited as much by USC? Fight on and win, uh, Dan, class of 1962. Well, yeah, you got to believe in the community college program. you got to believe in it, first of all. And in some of the, uh, you know, post years or the years in the past, USC would uh, send players to us. As far as, hey, this is a great player. We can't get him in school, but we want him after he plays junior college and so on. And we'd make sure the kid went to school. We'd make sure the kid matured. And we had a pipeline. That kid had a pipeline to that university because they had faith in us and what our program was all about at Pasadena City College. We sent a lot of players to to USC, and so did those other schools that he mentioned. And USC 
in the past and what players or what coaches do now is they recruit a junior college player like Cam Newton and this kid from uh, South Carolina, the second top defensive lineman in the country. Uh, they went to Jones Community College and these kids, you usually bring in a community college player that's going to start for you right now, just like a an NFL draft uh, choice as far as the uh, you got to have a first rounder. You don't want to bring a junior college player in to sit or wait or redshirt. He's got to be a good enough player that he can come in and make a difference in your program. And you got to be able to do that. And you got to have leads on where you can find those type of players, where you make commitments and arrangements with the kid before he goes to the community college. Because there's a lot of kids that you have to pass on because they don't have the grades to get in currently right now. So rather than walk on them, place them in a program that you have a lot of confidence with the coaches and the college that can get it done for you where he can come back to you as far as a community college player, maybe after one year or maybe after two years. And we used to do that with a lot of universities. We had a great program because of the great players we had and the working relationships that we had with the various colleges, Arizona State, San Diego State. If you remember Don Coriel, when he was at San Diego State, he did nothing but recruit junior college programs. Nothing. All JC players. And he would beat most of the universities in the country when he played. So junior college has great programs. Now in California, there's been, a, uh, I say, a, a drop in the talent area of the community colleges in California because of recruiting rules and uh, financially, a lot of these schools uh, can't afford uh, the football programs and a lot of dropping the football programs on the community college level. But that doesn't mean you can't have a great program somewhere and you can't have your kids come in and play with. You just have to have administrative support and you have to be the type of guy that can make it happen where these kids get it done and become winners and get winning academically and win too on their football achievements and growth. So I think that that's what the junior college programs are for. They call them now community colleges. To take young people and give them an opportunity to still be successful. If it's not at USC or Stanford or somewhere else, we had kids go to Stanford from our junior college program. Washington, everywhere. Because we gave them the background and the back, uh, the experience academically and athletically to be qualified to be successful there and start at these schools. So... Uh, that's what I think on that, and and I think that there are those type of players out there, like the ones I just mentioned. They're they're everywhere. If you watch, if you watch college football, they'll say that kid went to Heinz Community College, or that kid went to Jones Community College, the National Junior College Athletic Association, or he went to so and so or so on. Um, I mean, uh, when Mike White was at the University of Illinois, he brought in like 30 junior college players and went to the Rose Bowl. And that got everybody mad at Michigan, Bo Schenbecker, and everybody else. So they outlawed and made some rules in the Big Ten where you can you couldn't recruit junior college players, or you couldn't bring them in unless they had all these units and everything else, because they didn't have the relationship that Mike White had in California. So they're great talent in junior college. You just got to make sure you utilize it right. There's a Netflix documentary. I haven't checked it out yet, but the last or series, Last Chance You, where they look at the different, you know, kind of in, ins and outs of these junior college programs. I'm going to check that one out. Um, it's harder, though. I think sometimes the, some of the academic requirements, uh, if you get a guy to transfer, but he can't play right away, there's there's different rules. That I think it makes it a little tougher now than it was uh, before. But yeah, interesting. Yeah, you got to be, you got to get an AA degree. You're right. 
Yeah. So if you want to be able to play right away and there's California has like their own league of JCs, I think. And then there's like a national league and um, there's not like the kind of recruiting restrictions in junior college. Like you can bring in a lot of players. It's uh, but you know, you don't have a, you go to a junior college, you go to like El Camino or something, you know, there's, you're there for 18 months. You're not there for four years and have like, you know, big alumni parties and things like that. So it's, it's definitely different. Um, but USC, it's, it's different, right? I don't want to interrupt you on this, but I am. <laughs> no, go ahead. The, the difference between the California Junior College Association and the National Junior College Association is the National Junior College Association can recruit nationally and give scholarships. Okay. In California, you can't do that. In California, there's no scholarship. There's only what financial aid that a kid would qualify on. And it's very expensive to live in California, to come out here and live and move out here from some other area. So they really don't get as many out-of-staters now coming to California because there's no scholarships. Why the National Junior College Association can can give uh, actual scholarships to your players. So that makes it a lot easier for the national. Yeah. Um, the last few topics, we got two voicemails and two emails kind of about the future of college football. Let me play this one for your coach and get your thoughts. Hey podcast, Rick from Vista. I got a question. I've been seeing how they've been talking about the season. Um, hopefully if things, uh, end up moving, actually to start with people around that we could have the season normal, but I've also seen something that said, talking about moving the season um, into next year, 2021. I just think that's really short-sighted. Um, do you have any insight on that? Or, and what do you think the odds are that we're going to start the season as normal? Or do you think we're really going to have to push it back? Anyways, I'd like to hear that answer. Thank you very much. Bye. Well, you know, that there's a lot of uh, programs being organized now, if this happens and if that happens and so on. Uh, I think they'll push the season back a little bit. Maybe the uh, New Year's games and bowl games will be in February. Maybe the NFL will move it back, too. Uh, they'll move it back a month or so, or maybe they'll just play league games or one preseason game, alter their schedules or whatever. But they got to have a football season. And the reason I say they got to, even if it's in the spring, is there's no way the athletic departments can survive. Can't make it. Can't survive. They're going to have to drop sports and everything else. So it's so important that they have this this season with actual people in the stands, with attendance, concession, uh, revenue, marketing. Because you know who's going to market and put signs up in your in your arena or, or stadium if no one's there to look at them. So it, you, they got to have a football season, or it's all over. I'm just telling you. And if they have it in the spring. Yes, it's difficult, but I think they'd eliminate spring practice. They wouldn't have any spring practice. And they have a short turnaround, but uh, it's something that has to happen. And maybe they wouldn't start it until October the next year. But they've got to have football, and they've got to have basketball, revenue-generating sports, like the number of dollars that they get from the NCAA playoffs and so on. These universities and the athletic departments solely rely on this income. And there's no way they can survive. So I think there's going to, I think really over the next couple of years, the big salaries of the coaches are gone. That's past history. Because right now, I wouldn't be surprised if they take a reduction in their salaries. I'm not sure, but uh, 
they're going to be a lot of depth in the athletic department. So, yeah, I think they got to have a football season, even if, like you said, it won't be great in the spring. But I think they got to have it, otherwise there's no survival. You mentioned the uh, salaries. Brian uh, from Oakland said, I'm hearing more and more college football coaches taking pay cuts for the upcoming year, with Washington State University being the latest. What are your thoughts on this? Is this a one-year aberration? No, I don't think it's going to be a one-year deal. I think it's the future. I mean, really, uh, I came along too early. Some people are going to come along too late. I think the amount of revenue that's being paid and nothing against my peers, the amount of money that a lot of these people are making, head football coaches, athletic directors, and everything else they would do for 500000 a year or 300000 a year, and they'd probably still be making more money than a lot of people, much more money. So I think that uh, it got carried away, honestly. I got carried away when you give guys $10 million a year to coach college football. And again, uh, that's because you want to keep your coach, but someone else is trying to hire him away. So you're forced to do that, or $2 million or $2.5 million for your assistant coach, but someone's trying to hire him away. But I really think that uh, you've, seen, uh, you've seen a change. You're going to see a change, and it took something like this to have it happen. You tell me what coach out there won't take a pay cut to stay and keep his job, even if it gets cut in half. Where is he going to go and get another job to make that kind of money? Would you tell me? I don't know. So I think you're going to see that happen. And uh, I don't know if there's any outs in their contracts on this or not. But uh, when you look at the new hirings, you're going to see a lot of changes as far as in budgets and hiring and what coaches are going to get. Yeah. Uh, We got one last voicemail and then one other question for you. I'll play this one for you, Coach. Hello, this is Rick from Vista. And once again, thank you for your time in this trying time that we're all dealing with. I just would like to know your assessment from each one of you on what you think is going to happen with the season. And um, do you think the players would be willing to play or they'd be willing to have a season without fans? And then finally, how much revenue does the program get from people filling the seats at the Coliseum versus the television revenue? So if there weren't fans, how much of a loss would that be? You know, I know you guys have mentioned that the football program pays for um, other sports programs and how it would affect everything with no fans in the seats. I would like to hear from an answer from you. Thank you. Bye. I love that the uh, birds in the background, Coach. It's great. Um, real, real quick, I don't know the exact numbers, but for the NFL, TV is a, a much bigger portion than for college. Now, I think TV still, it might be more of a 50-50 split in college, like the, the gate you know, the ticket sales versus um, television. But television is still a, a huge part of that. But I think in college, no fans would hurt more than in the NFL. Well, I, I think the NFL is huge worldwide. I think college football is huge to college football fans. Uh, I'm not saying how much more the NFL as far as money-wise. I don't have that, but it's much, much bigger. They play more games and everything else uh, that they have. And now with, you know, all the different stadiums and activities and promotions they do and so on. I think the, the revenue generating in the NFL is huge. I think college football is huge, but I don't think it compares with the NFL. As far as college football, I don't know, but I explain, I can explain this. The USC budget is over $100 million. Oklahoma is $148 million. There are probably more that are bigger than that. But at USC... 
Uh, every single dollar has to be earned. They are a separate part of the campus. The university doesn't supply one dime to the athletic department at USC. It's like a separate business or corporation. Uh, when the fiscal year comes in, end, if there's any money left in the budget whatsoever, they have to write a check to the university. But the university doesn't feed back any money to the athletic department. They don't get tuition waivers, which means a lot of universities, because they have the opportunity to waive tuition, they they just don't charge the football program or the athletic department tuition. So those kids, they don't have to come up with the money uh, as far as paying for their tuition. The universe, the, the scholarship, the athletic department does it. But at USC, if a scholarship's worth $70,000, they got to pay for it. So everything's got to be at USC paid for. Every single thing comes out of the company, the, the athletic department. And every school is different. Every school is different as far as how much money they have. There's no limit as far as what Ohio State's budget is or or USC's or Washington. There's no, there's no limit, but they're put together differently, too, structured differently. So I know that uh, a lot of universities are still giving tuition wa- waivers to their athlete department because they don't they can't compete. They can't raise enough money to compete against other schools that have more money than they do. So they try to help them in that way. As far as USC is concerned, as far as the dollar-wise or or what the attendance or revenue is and so on, I remember I think Pat Hayden was the athletic director there, and I don't know how it works, but they were going to have equal distribution or something. I mean, I never heard anything like that. And I think they passed it. I think Pat pushed, pushed that through. And why wouldn't you vote for it if you're Washington State or one of these other universities where whatever you got in the Coliseum, if you're getting 80000 they're getting 20000 and at the end of the year, you total up what the revenue was from attendance and you split it equally. And I don't know if how that works exactly, but if, why would you want to do that contract? Why would you want to give away your revenue to other universities to make parity? Are you kidding me? I want to dominate. I don't want to make parity. I want to dominate. And I don't know the exacts on those quotes I just said, but if you're interested, you can check on that and see if that's true. All right, we got one last one from John, kind of along the same lines, but I'll, I'll just read it for you. He said, moving the college football season. Hello, Peristyle Podcast. I hope everyone remains well under COVID and the shelter-in-place orders. I've read that some ADs are exploring the idea of moving the entire 2020 college football season to starting uh, early March 2021. This is based on the timeline for developing a vaccine and making it widely available. I'm torn on this since I mostly watch USC football games on TV. However, it seems like the games would be better with fans in the stadiums. So a pure hypothetical question for, for all you guys. Assuming the schedule of opponents were unchanged, which would you uh, personally prefer? Moving the whole 12-game FBS season to begin March 2021 or playing the schedule that, as planned with a September start but without fans in attendance for the whole season? I also wonder what would be the impact on high school football games, recruiting, the NFL, in the NFL draft, if the NCAA does move its football season to the spring. Fight on from John. Well, I would think that if they were able to play in September and you couldn't have any fans in the stands, then your ratings would go up on television. So I'd assume you'd get a bigger package, I would hope, from television because you're going to have more viewers. And uh, I would think that you'd be able to generate probably more money and I think that television may be willing to pay that to help you through this. 
Otherwise, what are they going to do as far as advertising and how are they going to make income? So I think that this would be something that you have to work together with the television affiliates to make sure that you both have a product. You have a you have a football program and, a, and they have a television programming network that they can sell to advertisers to make them mon- themselves money and then in turn they can pay the universities. Now I don't know if that could happen, but then again, if you do it in the spring, uh, everybody uh, I used to say adjust or die, adapt or die. I used to tell my players that or coaches, hey, adapt to this or die. And I think that if this is something you have to do to adapt to this for a year or whatever, we have to do it. We have we can't we can't sit back and say we're not going to do this or we're not going to do that. But I agree with one thing: we can't go out there and put people in a position where they're not safe, whether it's fans, kids, or anybody. I'm one that believes in that, and uh, I think that uh, that time will come when uh, people say it's safe to again do these things. And we've got to remember how they're done, and we've got to adapt a little bit to that trail or road that we're on currently right now to make it happen. And if it's having a late season and a, a, another season to come September, October of the next year, we got to do it for survival, survival of the athletic departments. Yeah. it's The survival is at – I mean, it's at stake. I mean, it really is. Like, this is going to be a fight for your lives. And uh, for me personally – I would rather see it start in September. I don't want to delay it anymore if we, if we don't have to be without fans. Um, now, that's as long as the media can still go because then we can cover for you and we can tell you what's going on. But you can watch, you know, you can watch on TV and all that kind of stuff. So I, I would rather just see it now than, uh, than delayed. But you got to have the college football season some way. And if it's delayed, it's delayed, whatever you got to do. I don't know about starting in March, but I've heard things starting in like January and being over, you know, in uh, late March or April or something. That that might be interesting, but thank you for that one, John. And thanks to all the questions. A lot of great questions out there today, coach. Yeah. They're wearing me out, man. (laughs) They're wearing me out today. A lot of great questions. Maybe we had to do this every week. So they don't wear me out. We missed last week. But I I want to tell everybody before we go to please follow the rules and guidelines for all of us, Uh, be a team player. Uh, you know, if we're supposed to wear a mask or gloves or whatever you're supposed to do, please do that. Yeah. Don't play without a helmet. It's not smart. And uh, let's all, all be on the same team and get this thing done, okay, so that we can have a football season, that we can get back to our normal lives, okay? And uh, for all of the guys out there that are working and the heroes and jeopardizing their lives to, to help our lives, we thank you too. So, Brian, I just want to say that because it's an emotional period of time for all of us. And there's a lot of stress on all of us. And I think that what we have to do is band together to get it done. I agree with you, Coach. Thanks to all the uh, workers out there. If you're working in a grocery store or on the front lines in the healthcare profession or delivering, you're being a delivery guy. I delivered my meals on wheels today, so I'm, I'm trying to be helpful as well. Um, we do what we're all doing our part. So and if, like Coach said, stay home. We want to have college football. So just do what you're being asked to do, and hopefully this will be over soon so we just want it to be over as soon as possible because we do want to have that college football season well great stuff coach thanks again for coming on and thank you and ryan i'm really proud of you in fact i talked to you before the podcast about that meals on wheels because i think it's a great thing you do you just didn't start that you've been doing that for a long period of time and i'm really proud of you oh thanks coach yeah it's just it's great to uh you know you brighten someone's day and 
bring people that are really, I mean, I talked to the guy today, the guy, first guy on my delivery, he wasn't even that old, but he just has all kinds of health problems. And his doctor said, you can't leave the house, you know, so bringing him those meals, it's a, you know, it's a good feeling. So it's, uh, you know, there's people that aren't as lucky uh, as I am out there and I can, you know, get around a little bit more, I try not to, but um, you know, for things like this, it does, uh, it does help and it makes me, makes me feel good. It's good to, to help somebody. So but, it does. I agree 100%. You make me feel good when you do that. Oh, okay? thanks, thanks, Coach. Appreciate that. Well, we do our best. We do our best here. Um, all right. Well, that is the coach. I'm Ryan. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Parastyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 